Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. Today, Patricia has an article for us. So before we touch base and see how things are going this week, do you want to tell us what our topic is for today? Yeah, so today... We're going, it's not a happy topic, so I feel like I sound happier than the topic is. <laughs> Brace <laughs> I yourself just, for the I just, <laughs> I just realized I was like, yeah, and it's like, uh, and the next word <laughs> out of my mouth was going to be grief, so yeah. that's not really the same tone, but yes. yeah, the, the article is about grief and how we support employees um, when they are grieving, uh, and it it's basically like a model of how to support those employees, so I think it's really cool. It's very new and very much kind of breaking into the space. I know we talked about grief once before, and this is kind of a follow-up in a way because it's another new article. It's a newer area of study, and I think it's really important, so I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad that you're bringing up this topic because even though it's a little bit of a tough topic, uh, just because it's not, you know, we often talk about positive things like gratitude or you know mindfulness or things like that but it's also important to recognize the parts of life that are more challenging and that we need to support people through that and of course in light of the last couple years that we've had this is certainly a topic that a lot of people can resonate with unfortunately but that doesn't make it any any less real that we have to grapple with it so I'm happy that you're bringing this up and I think it'll be a good conversation. Yeah I agree I think the fact that we're in this space today with COVID and so much um, unexpected death, I guess. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what the word is for it, but an exacerbated amount of loss around us. Yeah. Uh, this topic is particularly relevant for sure. And the study, I believe, was done before COVID, so it's not even necessarily related to this, but it's obviously, I mean, not related in the sense that it wasn't done on a COVID sample, but I think it's important for this current stage of the world that we're in today and then obviously in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a topic that people often avoid because people don't know how to bring it up or how to ask about it or what to do. And so I'm glad that we're going to be giving people some tips and things that they can bring back to their workplaces about how to have these kinds of conversations to support people um, as they're grieving because I think it's something that people often try to ignore if someone's going through a hard time, but that's not going to be the best solution. I was going to say, spoiler alert, ignoring it is not what you should do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, and so I think, I think a lot of times people, when things are hard, that's their default, right? And so I'm glad totally. that we're going to be able to provide some strategies for people to sort of overcome uh, th that sort of knee jerk reaction that we often have to things that are more difficult or challenging to tackle. Yeah, totally. Um, well, but before we do that, before we talk about what you can do, how are you doing? I know you had a busy weekend this weekend. Yeah, yeah. This weekend was really fun. Um, we went to Philly on Friday night and stayed with my parents. And then on Saturday, uh, Brendan's brother got married and it was beautiful wedding. So much fun. Um, his wife is awesome and we had a great time and it was just nice to be able to see everyone. Like we were all just talking about how it's been, it's really been so long and right. so it was just nice to be with everyone, see people that we haven't seen in like two years. Um, 
and to have a fun time. So that was that was really exciting. That was a good time. And then um, I had my cousins, fiancés. Um, she basically feels like my cousin already because they've been dating a long time and she's like already fam more or less. But um, <laughs> but it was uh, her bridal shower. And so that was really fun, too. And uh, I won the prize for driving the furthest to get there. <laughs> I was like, what's the prize? <laughs> that was it. I won the prize for driving the furthest to get there. So that was exciting. I never <laughs> win prizes. So I was I was pretty happy about that. Um, but it's actually a big fan of our podcast is my aunt Barb. And it's her son that's getting married. And it was her uh, son's fiance's shower. So it was also nice seeing her. And she was so happy and so happy for them. So... Um, it was a really, it was a really cute weekend full of love. It was a cute weekend full of love. That's so exciting. Well, I'm glad you got to do that and see family and win a prize. Yes. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. They gave away legit prizes. It was a $10 gift card to Starbucks. Ooh, that's good. It's not even just one drink. It's more than one drink. I know. I know. It was a legit, it was legit. Um, and they had a really cute thing where, um, everybody's favor was a little oyster that had a real pearl in it oh that is so cute I love I that know. and they had like a little poem about like finding like your true love is like is like an oyster making a pearl like it was like really cute and it had like a little poem and I was like oh adorable. I really like that and you I love that pearl. I know it was so cute everything was so adorable just like I mean they're just like the nicest cutest people in the world I'm so happy for them and they're getting married um, the weekend after Thanksgiving. So Thursday's Thanksgiving, their wedding Saturday. Oh, nice. So, yeah. So, so that'll soon. be really fun. Fairly soon. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So I'm super pumped about that. Yeah. So that was my weekend. It was lovely. How about you? What did you do? Um. Well, hold on. I have a kitten that's about to attack the screen because they see, she, she sees like the um little what's it called people the like mark the thing that the audio thing the sound waves <laughs> yes <laughs> why can't I say that <laughs> well I don't so, think there's like a word like that's not like an easy word to find in your brain <laughs> yeah yes well that and it and for those of you that haven't recorded audio in this fashion like it moves across the screen as you talk so of course that would attract a kitten's attention like <laughs> there's something moving so what is that a time to attack um but <laughs> anyways amazing. I also found this today when I took my mic out to record like I usually have my mic just sitting on the back corner of my desk and it looks like they uh, managed to eat some of the pop filter oh my god uh, so they're a little crazy so I guess that's a good segue into my weekend um <laughs> they're a little crazy <laughs> they're lovely and so fun and so cuddly but they've gotten super comfortable and are, you know, little troublemakers. They're still learning yeah. what their boundaries are, um, but it's been fun. The weekend was pretty mellow. We didn't do a ton. Uh, my parents had been out of town for like 10 days and we were watching their cats, not at our house, but <laughs> that would have been chaos. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that we've been going back and forth and watching, like going into their house to check on them. And so they came home on Saturday. So we saw them um, Sunday morning and were able to catch up with my parents and see nice. all their photos. They went to Yellowstone and, and did like a ton of hiking and stuff. And I have this really weird dream, which I don't even remember if I've ever told you this, but I really want to see a moose. 
in real life like oh like um you know like the animal um yeah that is a weird dream but I, I support you in your dream I hope you see a moose yeah I really am I'm just intrigued by the size of a moose right like <laughs> it's supposed to be very big and I don't really understand or grasp it so I want to see it so I can understand the, the size anyways they saw I need to like a bunch arrange of for moose. you to see a moose <laughs> do you did you ever see that clip online of um Kristen Bell loves sloths and I yes! guess like Dak yes! Shepard arranged for like a sloth to come to their house and she was like crying being like it's here yeah right now <laughs> I'm gonna do I that love to that video it's so cute <laughs> I, I feel like a moose would be a little bit harder because they're quite large um well but miracles can happen but I would appreciate it. But yeah, they saw like a bunch of them and they have like That's all awesome. these pictures. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so cool. Your coolest life, cool life. Anyways, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> like I have, th- I'm, I don't know. I, animals are apparently like a big part of my bucket list. One is seeing a moose. Yeah. One is, I always wanted to see whales. I have seen whales, but I still yes. really want to see a blue whale because mm. they are the biggest creature to have ever you really want to see planet. large animals <laughs> yeah. this is like a yeah. criteria for you it like, is. i would like to see the largest animals that we have please <laughs> well i just i don't understand the scale like i get that a moose is bigger than an elk and i've seen an elk but like how much bigger than an elk and <laughs> and a blue whale is supposed to be humongous and i probably i'm guessing that if I saw one, I probably wouldn't see the full thing. And so I don't think I'd fully grasp the scale still. Mm. But I still want to get a sense of the scale. I, okay. I just need to understand the size. Like, what am I working with here? When you say the biggest animal ever, what does that actually mean? It's, it's very question. important to me. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I've well, seen, like, their skeleton. You know how they have, like, the, the natural, like, yeah, history museums? They have, like, the skeletons too. and things. Yeah. yeah, but, like, skeleton is, like... There's no meat on the skeleton. And I know that like all that blubber, all of that's going to make it so much bigger than just what the skeleton is. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah. The skeleton's just the tip of the the iceberg there. The giant iceberg, yes. Yeah. So anyways, so it was fun to to see their pictures and hear their stories and see, like, and get apparently know where I can go to a moose. Yeah, go see, not go to a moose. I guess go to a moose, but <laughs> go see I'm a moose. I'm going to the moose. I'll be back. <laughs> Gone to the moose. Yep. They're, you know, I hear they're not very nice, but maybe I'll become best friends with them anyways. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. yeah. I mean, every moose I've ever seen in a claymation Christmas movie seems delightful. So, <laughs> well, I that's obviously imagine. what all of them are like, right? It is. They have eyelashes. Yeah. Ooh, lovely. Um, yep, exactly. Um, well, I support you in your dream to see a moose and a blue whale. And if ever I have the opportunity to bring a moose to your house, like Dak Shepard did with the sloth, I'll do it. <laughs> but I don't want you to try with the blue whale. <laughs> no, I feel that I cannot bring that to your house. I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's a, an easy one by any means. Yeah, I'm just going to tell you right now, I don't think I'll ever bring a blue whale to your house. <laughs> That's good. That's for the best, for the animal's safety yes. and, uh, you know, happiness, probably. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. We will not be doing that. And um, speaking of bringing 
a blue whale to your house, it would probably die and then we would grieve. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is a transition. My goodness. <laughs> oh, God. That was one of my worst ones I ever did. Um, so <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, maybe we can dive into the article and yes. you can tell us a little bit about what was going on there. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so on that really awkward note, uh, the <laughs> the article <laughs> the article is called The Care Model of Employee Bereavement Support, and it was published this year in the Journal of Occupational Health Psychology, written by a bunch of people, Gilbert, Mullen, Calloway, Dimoff, Teed, and McPhee. So nice. a nice big group of researchers. I know uh, Jennifer Dimoff. Well, there you go. Look at that. Look at that. A friend of the show. (laughs) Um, Okay, awesome. So tell us a little bit about what was going on. Yeah, so they um, spent a lot of really good time in the beginning of the article kind of walking through why grief is important um, and why we should be studying it when it comes to the workplace. Because as we mentioned earlier, it's not as common of a research topic in our field. Uh, but that's definitely a miss, right? Like we know psychologists in general have been studying grief, right? Because it's obviously something everyone experiences. So there's a lot of research on grief in general, but there's less research on how the workplace is impacted by grief or how the workplace impacts employees that are dealing with grief. Mm -hmm. And that's really where this study comes into play is figuring out like what can an employment like a good employer do to impact the employee that is grieving and make the situation a little bit easier. It's not going to make anything better, really better, but make it a little easier at least. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's probably something that as we were just talking about, even though the study didn't focus on COVID, that's probably something that a lot of people were struggling with in this last two years because Even, you know, um, you know, we know from, you know, talking to various people about their experiences over the last couple of years, but I was interviewing someone for a research project the other day and uh, talking about the impact that the pandemic had on her work. Uh, That wasn't the purpose of the interview, but she was talking about that. And she just said, like, you know, I lost my husband to COVID. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so crazy. Like, I can't believe that that happened. I'm so sorry. And she was like, yeah, I mean, it was like completely unexpected. And and so, like, obviously, there are lots of people like her all over the country and all over the world. And they're probably sharing that information with people at work um, and folks know what they're going through. And there's probably uh, because we haven't really talked about it as much and it hasn't been a topic that people have really discussed as being part of the workplace domain people probably don't know what to do when those things get brought up. Yeah, I think you're totally right. People don't know what to do. They get awkward, not sure how to respond. You know, I think most people will try to support, but they don't know how to support well. So this paper, I think, is really important to help kind of give a framework of what you can do to help support. Um, Before I dive into that, I do want to just talk a little bit about, like, the context that we're in. So when we're thinking about grief in the workplace there is something that is being done right so organizations typically have some sort of bereavement policies in place and those are 
usually some allotted days that people can take to, I'm going to say in quotes, grieve, because that's not like an active thing that you can just do in a couple of days. Right. But, um, but something you can, like where you can take these days to, I don't know, go to a funeral, manage some some of the paperwork or things that happen around someone's death or just take some time to to disconnect a little bit if you need to, right? So there's a, that is typically offered by many employers, but in the U.S., it's not legally required to do so. So there are probably plenty of employers that do not offer bereavement. And when they do offer bereavement in the States, it's usually around three days, which is nothing, right? Yeah, just three really. days for, for grief. That's absurd. Um, and then... This study, like the researchers, really, uh, there are a lot of them are in Canada, and they were saying that in Canada, it's similar. It's about two and a half days that people get for bereavement, and then the UK is also similar. So I don't know about like every country, but it seems like there is a trend that there are quite a few countries that don't have very strong bereavement laws in place, and then thus employers don't always have very strong bereavement policies either Mm. that's interesting I hadn't really thought about that so I'm glad that you're bringing that up and I mean it is I mean obviously having a policy is better than having no policy but like two and a half or three days is like so like you were saying like something happens and you're grieving it's interesting the time frame that we put on it but also this idea that it's kind of like a, you know, it kind of makes it seem like, okay, you did that. Now that's done. Back to right? grieving. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. really not like a contained process like that. Exactly. Yeah. It's very weird. And uh, re- other research, like in the clinical psychology space, have estimated that in general, the grief recovery period is one to two years for yeah. close family members. I believe um, that. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't think it ever goes away fully, but within those first few years, you're really grappling with it. And then you get to a place where you've at least come to accept the situation and are able to move forward more than you were before. Um, So it's a huge discrepancy between the amount of time that people get and the amount of time that it actually takes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because it feels like something that I think is you know, true in and out of the workplace is that when something first happens, like when somebody loses someone, people are like, oh, I'm really sorry. And, you know, there's a lot of support initially, but um, it feels like after that, people just kind of like think, oh, if I bring it up, that's not helpful. And people really are dealing with it for longer. So it's like, well, you know, if that's the case, then we need to think about this more as an ongoing thing and not just like a one and done. Yeah, exactly. And that is part of what they talk about um, in this. So um, I guess I'll just give a little bit of an overview as to like what grief, why grief is bad in general and why we should be supporting employees. So as you can imagine, grief is in and of itself, like the, the situation, the loss can be traumatizing. And so grief can kind of manifest itself in a lot of different ways. So it can make people preoccupied um they list the term cognitive disorganization so you're just kind of like can be a little bit more confused and have a harder time like recalling information 
Um, you have decreased energy when you're going through grief. You can have difficulty concentrating and making decisions. Um, you're also more likely to have experiences of anxiety and sleeping problems. And then people tend to socially withdraw as well. So they tend to kind of become more introverted internal versus helping, you know, reaching out to others for social support, which is detrimental to their recovery from grief, if you will, because we know that social support is really important. So there's a lot of things that happen with grief um, that can impact the person's well-being, of course. And then if we're thinking from the workplace, it can obviously impact the workplace as well, the people around you and the work that you're doing because you're dealing with the this preoccupation and anxiety and all these other things going on. Yeah, that's that makes a lot of sense. And it's interesting that you're saying about the cognitive disorganization and the withdrawal. Um when I have had, you know, folks, friends or family members that are dealing with big loss, it feels like people often will say that they feel very scattered or they can't focus or concentrate. Um, but I also know that people tend to, um, or at least people that I know have tended to sleep a lot, like that a coping mechanism that people use is just to like keep going to sleep like sleep during the day sleep at night and I know that that can be a sign of depression too but it's also a withdrawal symptom yeah Um, so it's interesting what you're saying because uh, I know from a work perspective uh, friends and family that I know have said that one of the hardest parts of dealing with grieving is focusing and then also feeling like all they want to do is sleep and not be near people but they have to like go back in the office that's sad. That's so sad. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, that you we're not very good in our society and our culture to acknowledge grief just in general. And mm-hmm. people don't know how to cope with it. It's really interesting. I mean, I could go on this weird tangent for a while, but so I won't go too long. But um, it is really interesting when you look historically as to how we used to deal with grief and then mm-hmm. how we deal with it today. So when you look back... Um, and this is all just like random things I read. So this is not, has nothing to do with the study, but when I, when you look back and see when death was a little bit more prevalent, if you will, like younger people dying, children Mm -hmm. dying, et cetera, people had to cope with death a lot more often and it was more like acceptable to talk about it or to, you know, there was like the traditions of wearing black for like however many Mm -hmm. years afterwards. Um, there's, there were like, uh, behaviors or people would do like photo shoots with their deceased children um things like that that are a little weird when you think about it in today's lens but maybe a little bit healthier because people would actually talk about it and think about it and and it wasn't as isolating like people were expected to come see you and you were expected to be like you would go into town and you'd be wearing black so everyone knows that you're grieving so everyone knows that this is something that's going on with you and and can react appropriately so it's a very different approach than what we used to do as a society yeah it's really interesting uh that you're saying that because um I knew somebody a while ago who had um a data set of uh, women who had late term miscarriages and that sometimes people will do photo shoots um, and Mm -hmm. that it's like a job for someone to come in and take those photos, obviously. And the paper was on grief management at work from the lens of the people whose job that is. 
Um, but it's a very secretive thing and people don't ever show anyone the pictures usually. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting that like it still happens to some extent, but not in a way that you would ever know or that it's like widespread knowledge. And like somehow along the way, I guess we lost the, um, sort of recognition or, uh, social acceptability of recognizing, um, that these things happen and even like the memorializing piece has gotten more private. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting that you bring up that example because part of some of what I was reading started with an article about that topic. And then I just like kept, this was a while ago, but I just kept going down rabbit holes and reading different articles about this topic. But, um, the, the ink, there is an increase right now in terms of that exact situation with like late term, um, Mm miscarriages or like stillbirths or things like that um, where people are doing this more and more as like you said a coping mechanism to be able to you know now you have a a photo of your child right right you don't get to experience a lot with that child but you have something that you can look back on so it makes sense to me uh but it is like you said it's much more secretive it's it's some people probably think it's weird and we've mm. kind of moved away from this idea that that's not like that weird of a thing, right? To yeah. memorialize that person. So yeah. and then it is fascinating too, because um, there was a um, one of, I know this is obviously a depressing conversation, but one of my brother's friends um, sister died very young and uh, he was telling us, uh, you know, I think that people never want to bring it up because they obviously think, you know, it's a sensitive topic and shouldn't mention it. And he was like, but the thing is like, I like talking about her. Like, I don't want it to ever be that no one ever talks about her again. Like I want to be able to bring her up. And like, if people have memories of her, I want them to say like, Oh, remember this about your sister. And he was like, I know that people are probably thinking like, Oh, I don't want to bring up something that would upset him or his family about the person but he was like but the flip side of that is like then you just never talk about them you never like share any memories of that person like that seems worse and Mm -hmm. more sad than just accepting what's happened but still like sharing memories of the person and I was like that's a really interesting thing because he was like you know sometimes when people die it's like people just want to like erase all conversation about them but he was like I I don't want that to happen. Like that would make me so much more sad to think like no one will just ever talk about her again, you know? Yeah. And I think I've, from what I've seen, it seems to be a theme that that is the case of the person that is the people that are closest to the person do want to talk about it at some point. Maybe they don't want to talk about it right away, but they do right. like, later on. Right. And then other people that are a little more external to the situation shy away from it. So yeah. we create this like, unnecessary conflict around it that is not useful um totally yeah so it's a really interesting topic and I know we could probably spend a bunch of time talking about it because I think it is fascinating how people behave in this situation um and how much it's changed over time and I think there's something really interesting that happened there but let me tell you about what they found and I think it'll kind of help the conversation continue so What they found is they basically wanted to see, like, okay, what happens when someone is grieving at work? 
what are the things that help them an employee feel good right like what's effective what's ineffective how can managers coworkers, and organizations really help that employee as they're dealing with a loss and so they decided that since we don't know a ton about it they were going to do a qualitative study so this study they interviewed 14 people so I will say it's fairly small sample um, and there are some limitations with the sample too everybody was white and out of the 14, 10 of them identified as women. So clearly there's some additional work that needs to be done to flesh this out further with a more diverse and inclusive sample. But I think that the the findings resonate. And so granted, I'm a white woman, so (laughs) I don't know what that means, but (laughs) the, the findings do resonate. And I think that what I would encourage future researchers to do is really dive into this model and test it with different populations and see what nuances there might be. Because I bet there are nuances, but I think the overall model probably is going to hold true um, or at least be similar to this when we do more and more research around it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes, it totally does. Um, okay, so that's awesome. So there's there's some limitations to the sample, but I am curious to know what they found, even though there are some limitations to it. Yeah. So after they did their interviews, they did all their analysis that we've talked about in the podcast before, where they look to theme the comments and really understand what's going on. And so four main themes came out and they call it care because it, the, it spells out care. Well, they made it spell out care. So it's C-A-R-E. So C is communication. A is accommodation. R is recognition. And E is emotional support. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can unpack each of those letters. Yes. So care, um, starts with C communication, communication. That is all about the, the main pieces that they talked about is really around the two way communication between the employee and the organization. So in order for an employee to feel supported, that communication needs to be effective. So obviously the employee has to communicate that there was a loss, but then, the manager or someone in HR, whoever they're communicating that with, then needs to relay the appropriate information effectively around the policies and what resources they have from a support perspective. It seems like a lot of participants in this study experienced situations where their manager and even HR had no idea what Mm. the policy was, had no idea what they needed to do. So it became this like this long process just to get the, the, t- the time off or just to get the basic support they needed um, from a bereavement perspective that like they just didn't have the support to get that and people didn't know it became a bigger thing than it needed to be it really should have just been a here's what you do boom done right mm-hmm. so that's yeah. a big piece so maybe something could be and I don't want to jump ahead to like applications right away but like just making sure that you're at the ready to respond and you know what the policies are. So like the person needs to communicate it to you, but once they do communicate, it seems like it's important to have a plan. Yeah, exactly. And I think the, I think it's totally fine for us to jump ahead with takeaways because it kind of are really natural in this one um, Mm -hmm. versus kind of at the end, because I think for each of them, there are some clear takeaways. So I think, yes, number one, HR should know their policies about this and they should make sure it's easily accessible for the managers to, to reach because maybe managers may not know them always. That's probably 
going to happen. But if it's something that I can easily, as I'm talking to the person, quickly go on some portal or something and find it, then that's fine, right? Wherever mm. I can access it quickly will be useful so that I can communicate to the employee what's going on, what they need to do, etc. The other piece of the communication part is that there's also the the idea about disclosing the loss. So it's kind of an interesting thing because sometimes you don't want to disclose something for somebody else. But in this study, they found that there's some decisions that the employee would need to make, but a lot of times they tell one person and then that person shares with everybody else. And mm. a lot of people really appreciated that. So I thought that was really interesting and kind of a probably depends on the person, right? So as a leader, you need to be very careful. Um, I would ask the question for sure before yeah. you start telling people, right? So the employee tells you that there was a loss, then you need to ask if it's okay for you to share when they're out on bereavement that they had a loss, you know, and share only as much as they feel comfortable with. But that gives you an opportunity to share the information so that they don't have to do it over and over and over again. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. I like that. Um, trying to sort of minimize the like re-traumatization, I guess. Exactly. And then also like not knowing who knows, you right. know, like, do you bring it up? When do you bring it up? Why? Um, so I think that it's very, it's very interesting about how you, you handle the situation, right? And making sure that you are doing what's comfortable for the employee, but being able to then share broadly so that the employee doesn't have to do it. So it's kind of like, yeah. a, it's a weird, it's a weird recommendation, I think, because I would never have thought like, oh, you should go and tell people, but obviously you need to make the the clear communication is the part of the C, right? So you're communicating with that employee about what they, you know, what they're doing and then also trying to understand their needs. So what do they need to feel supported and what can you do in terms of communication to others so that they don't have to do it? Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so being willing to kind of come up with a communication plan and minimize the burden for the employee as well as understanding what the formal policies are is about is communication yep exactly so communication big one the second one is accommodation and so all of these kind of do have some overlap right because if you do some sort of accommodation then you have to communicate that so there's obviously there's going to be overlap but accommodation is the second theme and really what that's about is listening during that communication piece listening to the employees needs what they are and then doing something about it and accommodating their needs. So let's say kind of what you were talking about earlier, like some people were saying that going back into the office is really hard. Um, maybe you can let them work from home. I mean, it depends on the situation now with COVID. You might already be doing that. But, you know, in the future or whatever the situation is, maybe there's a way to accommodate that person and let them work from home for a little bit as they're kind of getting their bearings. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you can create some flexibility around some deadlines that they had. Maybe there's other things you can take off their plate or shift things around. Whatever that is, you know, have clear, open conversation with your employee and then figure out how to accommodate for what they need in this situation. And the needs are going to vary. Some people want to dive right back in. Great. 
fine, go for it. Some people want to take extra time. Some people maybe need to have a way to get away in the middle of the day when they have like a wave of emotion come over them and being flexible to let them do those types of things is really important. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense because we've learned about uh, the value of listening and adapting and tailoring strategies uh, in a variety of different sort of leadership skills. Um, one of them being like uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion issues where people are facing bias or discrimination in organizations. That's another area where we know like leaders listening, learning, and implementing solutions that are going to be tailored to what that individual person wants is really the best thing to do. So it's interesting that basically it sounds like this is the same in that when you're coping with something that's very individualized and painful, that it's really important to listen to what the person is telling you they need because different people want to cope with different situations like that differently. Exactly. Yeah, it's definitely very personal. And I think this is a case. So for C, communication, yeah, like coworkers and colleagues can potentially get involved there, but mostly it's going to be between the manager or HR and the employee. But when it comes to the accommodation, the A of care, this could be anybody. So if you're working with someone that just dealt is dealing with a loss, recent loss, um, you can obviously on that project that you're working on them with help shift things around to accommodate them, right? So yeah. this is the one where I think you start to see not just what an employee can do or what the organization can do or a manager or the organization, but also what team members, coworkers can do to support each other. And that would be, again, thinking about how you can help accommodate them. Stepping in if you know that they won't be able to meet that deadline because the funeral is that week, whatever. Mm -hmm. You step in and maybe carry a little bit of that load for them for a little bit. So yeah. things like that, the, the coworkers can really support too. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that sounds great and makes a lot of sense and a good reminder that this is something that you need to really not have a blanket, this is how I approach it, but that you're taking a much more individualized look. Exactly. Then the R in care is recognition. So this is recognizing that there was a loss and acknowledging the loss. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, you don't want to pretend like nothing happened. You don't want to just, you know, avoid the person. Like some of the quotes were really interesting. <laughs> like yeah. uh, people just completely avoiding the individual, people not you know, even looking them in the eye, like weird stuff. And I think it's because what we were talking about earlier, people are just not comfortable. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. Yeah. And so they act super awkward. Um, but in the study, if there was some acknowledgement, people would feel a lot better and more supported. So even if you feel awkward, suck it up and just do it. Yeah. Just acknowledge it. Say, I'm sorry for yeah. your loss. Something simple like that. Yeah. Yeah. So making sure that you're not I mean, I think that that's part of what we were saying before is that people tend to, when things are difficult, I think people want to do something or say something, but they don't know what to do or say. And in the moment, they're trying to figure out what to do or say. And then like the moment passes. And then if they don't say something right away, then they feel weird to like say something later. Like, I think it's like all these things where it's not like, it's not that people are like, I'm not going to say something to this person. I think it's like they get into the situation and then they just feel weird. And then mm -hmm. they just like roll with that feeling 
and then they feel like they can't ever revisit it. You know what I mean? It's just like gets, I feel like totally feel awkward. So, but then it ends up to the person feeling like no one cares or, you know, I'm not sure if I should even try to talk about this with other people because maybe they just don't want you know, it's making them feel awkward. Maybe it is awkward. Maybe I shouldn't bring it up, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that when the person recognizes it, it creates that pathway for the person to then be able to talk about it in a way that would be comfortable for them and allows them to share. And they might not want to share a lot of information. They might want to talk about it a little bit, maybe not at all, whatever. But like, at least it gives them that pathway to like try, you know, uh, to do it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the important piece is you're giving them an opening if they want to talk to you. But more than anything, you're just acknowledging that they're going through this. You're acknowledging the loss and you're letting them know that you care about it, right? If you just mm-hmm. completely ignore it, then it doesn't seem like you care at all. And there's actually a quote in the paper that was about um, a person that didn't feel like it was acknowledged at all by the organization or anybody within the company that she had experienced, or I don't know, I'm just saying she, but I don't know, doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but the person had experienced a loss and they then said um, that they felt like the company didn't care and they wanted to leave. They were like, I don't know why no, no one cares right, that I right. just had this happen. So it seems like a really cold place. And why am I here? This seems like a bad company to be a part of. Right. So that's like a huge consequence, right? Like it could yeah. be a great employee. And just because you feel awkward, you're going to lose them now. Like right. that's, right. that's not worth it at all. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That makes sense. And I think, I think probably people aren't even realizing that the consequences could be, that much because that's not your thought in the moment it's just more like get me out of this awkward moment and you're not thinking about what the consequences of that could be exactly and then this all leads to e which is that emotional support that would come after the recognition right so like you were saying if you leave the door open for someone they might open up they might need emotional support so if you're showing them some empathy you're able to show concern you're listening to what they have to say about the loss that they're in that is really important for employees to feel supported in the workplace so the emotional support can, can come from anyone right like maybe the employee doesn't want to talk to their manager but if their coworkers are also checking in with them from time to time then they might speak to one of them and mm-hmm. maybe they won't speak to anybody maybe they don't want to really talk about it too much but having people check in with them and make sure they're okay is really important, even if the person doesn't want to talk about the specific loss in detail. Mm-hmm. So, and this kind of goes back to what you're saying about how we tend to kind of like, oh, well, they went to the funeral, sad, the end, and then we move on. This part of the paper really talks about that checking in again, right? Yeah. Like not forgetting to check in, not forgetting to ask the person how they're doing. And one of the examples, actually, somebody had, uh, they and a colleague had both experienced a pretty bad loss in their life, and they put in the calendar, each other's calendars, the date of the other person's loss. And then the mm. next year, they checked in with each other, and then they just kept, even after they left the same workplace, they kept checking in with each other because you know, they, they both knew exactly what that was like in that moment, of course, because they were going through at the same time. But this is something that you could do too, right? Even if you're not somebody experiencing loss at the same time, you could be like, oh, well, I don't know, Susie's dad died um, in early October. 
I'm going to put that in a note in my calendar so that next October I can check in and say, hey, I know this is around the time that your dad died. Are you doing okay? Um, so then that shows like an incredible amount of emotional support and empathy right. and really thinking about the person. Yeah, that's really interesting. I really like that idea. I'm glad that you brought that up. And and to your point about people leaving if they feel like they're not supported or no one cares about them in the workplace, like um, even if you didn't have people directly asking about that, but people were checking in just to say, how are you or how are you doing? Or I've been thinking about you lately and not uh, getting into as many details at least it makes the person realize that people care, right? Like, so even if they don't really want to talk about it, um, they don't get the sense that like, oh, I guess just like no one here really cares how I'm doing. You know what I mean? So like that general or broader emotional support can probably go a long way in sending those signals that people do care about your well-being. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to always say why you're checking in, right? but just checking in and then the person will know that, that you care about them. Right. And so I, I totally agree. It doesn't have to be like, Hey, I'm checking in because I know you lost this person recently. Right. That might be a bit much sometimes. (laughs) So, but yeah, you're totally right. Just providing that emotional support can help a lot. Um, so fairly straightforward model, just those four areas. And, but I think it's very simple and clear and easy to take away and practice so that we can start making it an impact on these grieving employees lives. Um, earlier rather than later as this con- research continues I think it's a good starting point yeah I'm really glad that you brought this up and these strategies are really helpful uh, making sure that you're communicating and accommodating and recognizing and providing that emotional support I think all these are really good reminders especially as uh, many folks have grappled and continue to grapple with this and if you missed an opportunity to recognize something or you uh, you know didn't you weren't in a position where you could be the person that was communicating it, you can still provide that emotional support even if you feel like the moment has passed to do these initial things. So I think don't feel like just because you didn't do something right away, you can't do something now. Totally agree with you. As we know, as we talked about earlier, grieving the, what we define as grieving typically lasts one to two years. So you're probably still in the window of when you can support somebody and help them feel like they're cared about and the situation is cared about. So I would definitely encourage you if you haven't been doing these things to think about how you can support and what you can do to just show that you're there for that person. um, Even if it's been a few months since the loss. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for bringing this up. I think this is such an important topic and I'm glad that we had a chance to talk about it. So I appreciate you reading this article. Thanks. Yeah, of course. I thought it was really interesting. I hope it's useful. And I'm really interested to see where the research in the space goes, because I think there's a lot of stuff we don't know yet. And hopefully we'll be coming back with new content in the future around this topic so that we can continue to get better at helping support those employees that need us the most when they're in grief. Yep, totally. I totally agree and uh, really appreciate it. Well, for all of our listeners, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your stories. If you have anything to share on the topic, um, you can always email us at contact at workerbeing.com. You can find us on our website, workerbeing.com, or on social media at workerbeing on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And finally, if you like our content, we encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss the show and also share with a friend that might learn something good as well. Thanks for listening. 
The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. 